anything combat with Johnny K. Let's fucking go. Welcome back, combatants to the Anything Combat show, where we discuss everything mixed martial arts. I'm your host, Johnny K, and today we're joined by no one. We're talking to me only. Not a single soul. You've got me to deal with. Fuck you. We're talking fights. Let's get into it. The first fight I want to talk about is Josh Emmett versus Ilya Tapuria. So, I've been raving on about Tapuria for forever. I picked him in this fight. I actually predicted the matchmaking for this fight too. I said that Tapuria was going to go get paired up against Josh Emmett after Josh lost to um, Yair. Or was it Ilya winning against Bryce? I'm not too sure. But yeah, that I predicted that fucking matchup. So I knew that shit. And I also said that Tapuria is on his way to be a champion. I knew that he was up there. To be honest, I know there's a massive call. But it's like, you're looking at the best featherweights right now. You look at Volkanovski, Holloway, Tapuria, and also Movzar Ivlovev. I know that's a big call when it comes to Movzar, but we'll see. I don't think, I think he's the worst one out of all of them. I think it goes Max Tapuria, maybe Tapuria a little bit lower, and then it goes Volkanovski. But the problem with this remains that Tapuria is so young that he's got such a scalability of his talents in general. He's got a well-rounded skill set. He's a fucking beast. He's moved on from 13-0 to 14-0, beating Josh Emmett, where fucking Sergio Ramos rocked up, which, like, I don't even know why he was there, but big up Sergio. An impressive win by Ilya Tapuria. This now puts him at 6-0 inside the UFC with his first amazing win. This is a win that when I calculate the power rankings and I calculate how good a fighter really is, when I calculate how good a fighter's career is, I look to the power rankings with the quality of their opponent, who they've fought, what circumstances, and to be honest, I would give this maybe a B. This is a fucking amazing win. I don't go higher than A+, a plus is like you have to be a fucking champion. This is maybe a fucking B-, minus. C plus. I'll give him the benefit of the doubt and give him a B minus. We'll see how Josh Emmett um, goes in the in the future because he's fucking thirty eight. You know what I mean? Like like it's this sport is so difficult that someone could go their whole career and you still don't know if they're actually good or not. You know what I mean? People like Lucas Tracy, they're doubting. They're saying that Josh Emmett was never actually good and shouldn't and shouldn't even be top eight or top nine. Now I find that hard to believe because Josh did look decent against Yair. He did get fucking finished. But Yair, however, I'm doing a however on a however on a however. Yair is a finisher. The whole point of his style is that he's a finisher. Josh has fought Calvin Cater, went to a split decision, robbed Calvin, but still, like, decent, decent fight. He's fighting hard opponents. Ilya's now beaten him, not like, but hasn't made it look hard. All these other people taking fucking Josh to a split decision, all this other shit like Calvin. Fucking Ilya ran in there. 171 strikes to 89. Are you shitting me? Ilya at 26 is the real deal. And is one of the best fighters in that division. Top three. Top four best fighters in that division. I would have loved to seen him go up against Brian Ortega. Prime Jose Aldo. That's me personally. A dream fight that I'm seeing right now in my head. Is Ilya. Got some, got some water here. Dream fight that I see is Ilya versus Jose Aldo. That that would have been the best fight. Fuck yeah, Zabit Magnamary Sheripovs, right? I, I really like him. Don't get me don't get me wrong. <coughs> Forget about 
fucking all that shit. Jose Alda versus Ilya Tapuria, both primes, would have been insane. Now, one thing I do have to say is people peak at different points. I think Ilya is one of those fighters. He has the mentality of a champion. He's one of those fighters that he wants to get better and he will continue to get better. This is a man who submitted like his first seven opponents or some shit. I just fact checked that stuff and I shit you not, Johnny knows this shit. I am an encyclopedia of MMA. I don't give a fuck what anyone says. Seven submissions to start off his career. Come on, man. I could have fucked up one number, whatever the fuck. Ilya's record's 14 and 0. Come on. I could have fucked up one stat. I didn't. Got it perfect because it's me. So, Prime Ilya versus Prime Aldo. To be honest, I'm picking Prime Ilya. Because if Ilya's not in his prime right now, and when he gets 30, he'll be in his prime, that's four years away. That's, that's eight more fights. Come on, man. Come on. This guy's a fucking warrior. So, touching on the the poise of Ilya Tapuria's game. So, Aldo would go for, like, leg kicks on him and shit. And Tapuria. So, when Tapuria fought fucking Emmett, and he brought in new parts of his game. I like his angle punches. They're crazy. I like the fact that I think he did blast a leg kick. I'm not too sure. I kind of forgot. And when he... When he showed that much patience in a five-round fight, I went, this is the dude. This is the guy. Everyone's like, oh, he doesn't have cardio. He doesn't have this. He doesn't have that. Bro, he proved that he's got cardio. He was just rushing this whole time. He was rushing to get these fuckers out of there because they're not on his level. So he's like, let me finish him. Let me move on. And that goes to show you that he's a beast. Bryce Mitchell was undefeated. Get rid of him. Went up in, in weight for Jai Herbert. Jai Herbert head kicked him adversity. Bang, bang, bang. One, two, crack. Put him down, sit him down, finish him. Fucking animal. So, if Tapuria fought Aldo, I see Aldo. I said, dude, that that is a fight. That is a fucking fight, man. You would see, you would see Tapuria deal with the leg kicks of Aldo. Like, on a real note, on a real note, I see Aldo winning, like split decision against him if he does win. But the problem with it is that right now, let's say Prime Aldo versus current Tapuria. Tapuria would probably lose to that guy because Prime Aldo was a different breed. He was a beast, right? Like the guy that fought Chad Mendes in the second fight. Come on, man. Come on. That's an, that's an animal. The problem with it is that Tapuria is getting better and the fact that he's incorporating new things into his game, he's, he's putting new things in his game. <coughs> it just shows that he's ever improving. And a fighter like that is ridiculously hard to deal with. So... Prime Tapuria in the next four or five years when he turns around 31 will be ridiculous. Moving on. So now, who do you give him as his next opponent? This Georgian Spaniard. Who do you give this guy? Really, who do you give him? You got Holloway on the sidelines of that Korean zombie. We were here last time and we spoke about that. You got you got Volk fighting Yaya. And you got Ilya on the sidelines. He's put himself in a position where he's been too good. And because he's been too good, there are no fights for him. Are you serious? He's outperformed the division so far. I still see that Mozart-Ivloa fight. I know you're like, bro, they're both undefeated. The UFC wants to... Tupuria versus Ivloev might be the fight to make. That fight got scheduled a couple times. That is a absolute war. And I do see Tupuria beating 
Eve Loev because he had a he has a similar so, uh, style. He's got the submission game and he's also got the fucking boxing that Diego Lopez exploited against um Mozart Evloev. And Diego came the closest to finishing Mozart. I don't see Ilya submitting him. I see Ilya TKOing him. And if he doesn't get the TKO in that situation, then Ilya can fucking reenact and choke him. I said, oh, he won't submit him, but he'll submit him. You're like, oh, John doesn't know him, mate. Fuck you. I know him, mate. He's he he won't get the submission off just out jujitsu out grappling him because Mozart's grappling was way too good for that. Even though Ilya's grappling, I would I would put fucking up there. You know what I mean? He'll damage him and then he can get the submission or he'll ground and pound him out. Don't forget that Ilya's got one punch, hit a quitter, knockout power at fucking lightweight. You know what I mean? This guy might be a double champion. I spoke about this. The wrong thing to do here is put him up against Arnold Allen for his next fight. And I'll tell you why. So you kill the fucking hype for his whole career. He is no longer even remotely relevant. Every fight they put him up against now will be a co-main for a fight night. Or a fucking featured fight for a main card pushing it. He will be on a UFC main card. But there, it won't be structured around him. How you kill his career is you put him up against Arnold Allen. Arnold Allen can win that fight. I would pick Tapuria because I believe that he's, that he's working harder than these guys. And learning better. And got more of a vicious mindset in this, in this sport. Kind of the type of mindset that you see someone like fucking... Someone like you see Volkanovski do. I know the same division, but imagine trying that much. Imagine going, oh, I want to win that bad. That's how you need to win the sport. That's Tapuria. Put him up against Arnold Allen. Arnold Allen can still win because he's got that like autistic mode. Like he could like tap into shit. And I'm being serious because Arnold Allen did a good fight against um, Max Holloway, which keep in mind, not a lot of people do, showing the fact. That fucking Calvin Cater couldn't, alright? So just take a chill pill there. Arnold Allen might beat him. If Tupuria wins that fight against Arnold Allen, you chuck him in the title shot, you're good to go. The way to go is that you destroy somebody who has a name that's already fought for the belt, and you chuck him in there with him in a bad situation for Tupuria to steamroll him. That, my friends, is Brian Ortega. As much as I like Brian a lot, it's a different style. Brian was there with Max. Max volume striked him, you know, whatever the fuck. And went in there with Volkanovski. Volkanovski hit him with a couple of good shots, but also volume striked him a little bit. Took it, had it, had a had a long fight with him, a, a long duration of a fight. Tapuria will get in there. He will smack him with a fucking body shot, sit him down, and the fight will be over. Brian will take his body. He's fucking weak. He's a weak guy. Like, like, bro, he's got that jiu-jitsu build, bro, and he's not in the game, man. I tell you, I'll tell you this right now. The most successful people in life, they work hard. And you go, yeah, no shit. They work hard because they can't get the result by not working hard. Volkanovski is not built for the sport. But he has made himself built for the sport by the sheer determination to win. Brian Ortega. People have actually said that Brian Ortega is a fucking championship level fighter. And he doesn't even train that well. Like, he doesn't even take it as serious as some of these guys. 
Josh Emmett, he even said it. Josh Emmett said, you don't know how much I care about being the champion. Now, Josh Emmett's never going to be a champion. That's probably going to be with him for the rest of his life. He's going to be very upset about that. But it's just the fact that Josh is saying that. And fucking you got Brian Ortega, who's in two championship fights. And he's like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm just going to take a year off, two years off. You know what I mean? Like, he doesn't care. He's got no urgency about him. You chuck him in there with Tapuri, who's working his fucking ass off. Tapuri will steamroll this guy inside one round. You saw you saw how much how durable Josh Emmett is. Do you know who else is not durable? Brian Ortega. You chuck him up against Brian, or you chop chuck him up against Arnold. Ilya smokes um, Brian. He has a close fight with Arnold Allen. Arnold might find the shot to put him out and win, or Ilya might show levels, grapple him a little bit, MMA him, might finish him later in the fight or decision him. Once that all happens, he needs to fight Volkanovski. Because I don't see Yair getting through Volkanovski. If Yair gets through Volkanovski, Yair's got the perfect build, frame, attributes, size, everything going in his direction to beat someone like Ilya. But let's say Yair doesn't doesn't win and that that fucking Volkanovski wins. The fight between Volkanovski and Ilya Tapuria, do you know who wins? Oh, we know we know what John's opinion is. Volkanovski wins that fight. Hang on. Didn't you just say that Tapuri is here? Yes, I did. But I'm saying Volkanovski is here. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? As such, Tapuria at 26 years of age does not beat the best featherweight champion to ever live in the sport due to the fact that he's too young. You can't chuck a 27-year-old Tapuria up against a 35-year-old Volkanovski and expect Tapuria to out-muscle him, out-MMA IQ him, out-do anything. Come on, man. Who's Volkanovski lost to besides the start of his career? One fighter, Makachev, who's top 80 best fighters to ever live of all time, including his win over Charles Oliver and Volkanovski back-to-back defending the YW strap. Stop it. Stop it. Volkanovski beats this version of Tapuria. See, this sport works in cycles and timing. But the timing to do with this fight, think about it. If Tapuria's 27 and Volk is 35 in the next year, let's say, that would mean that Tapuria being ready for that championship fight, he'd be like 29, that's two years away. And Volk would be 37, 38. Come on, man. It's over. It's over. Even if he does win, it's not as impressive. You see? Because because Ilya fighting him now, Volk wins. Because Volk's gonna be is the fucking champ. He's the guy, right? He's better. But it doesn't show that Ilya is worse than Volk due to the fact that if Ilya was the same age as Volkanovsky, who would be better? That's something we'll never know. And that's why the sport is so difficult to figure out who is the GOAT. So, dude, I see a, I, I definitely see a world where fucking Volkanovski beats uh, Ilya. And Ilya goes, holy shit, you know, I fucking lost. This is so upsetting, right? And then Alexander Volkanovski retires. Movement in the division happens. Ilya at this point is 31. And he has 
five years from 31 to 36 where he defends the belt and he gets to like six or seven championships title fight wins and everyone goes oh my god if Volkanovski fought this version of Ilya he would have never won and then there you go there's my fucking point so it'll be funny to see how this all plays out but dude like I really like Ilya Tapuria and I hope that he's not um I hope that they treat his career correctly and they space him out. Because if they give him that year or two years, if they give him that two years where he has to fight other people, bro, if if Ilya beats Max and Volkanovski, you got a case. You got a case for him being top three. So, Emma versus Tapuria fight night. On the card, there was Justin Tafa. It ended in a no contest 29 seconds into the fight with one of the most vicious eye injuries I've ever seen. Go Google that injury. I'm not going to show it on the podcast because not safe for work. I'm going to get fucking demonetized and taken off YouTube, so I'm not doing that. Google that shit. That was one of the fucking most weird injuries ever. Like, like his whole arm went in Justin Tyler's fucking eye. Like, disgusting. One of the worst eye pokes I've seen in a while. Yeah, dead fucking dead like I wanted that fight to end in Justin winning by knockout but as we saw sorry about that David Onama hit him with the Israel Adesanya celebration love to see it Brendan Allen has just made a case for himself being that dark horse in the division people become such a dark horse that they cease becoming a dark horse and they become a favorite that's what Arnold Allen's situation was he was like, oh, he's such a dark horse when he got his 10 fights in a row. Um, he's such a dark horse. He's such a dark horse. He's going to win the belt. He's going to win the belt. And this became a popular opinion, making him a favorite by accident. So very interesting, um, very interesting situation to be in. Brendan Allen might be the next featherweight, uh, sorry, next middleweight. Dude, middleweight's got a problem with grappling. Brendan Allen's winning by submission fucking four minutes into the first round with Bruno Silva wherein Alex Pereira took Bruno Silva to a fling decision. So, I know Styles make fights, but, bro, Brendan Allen versus Pereira, question mark? You know what I'm saying? So, Brendan Allen might be a champ in the future. Moving on to the next fight. We're back. We're back, you see, from our intermission. Okay, next fight. Let's talk about Big Balls Demir Ismagulov versus... KGD or whatever his name is, I don't really care. Grant Dawson. You got Grant who's ranked 15 versus Demir who's ranked 12th. This is a very good fight. Demir fucking lost to Armin Sayukin, who I rave on about being that fucking guy. So if that's the case, then Demir wins this shit. He's probably got better boxing, better striking. Grant fucking has an A to no amateur MMA record for some reason. His record's 19-1-1. Demir's 24-2. They're very, they've got comparable records and very above average records for lightweight. However, fucking you run into somebody who you can't strike with and when you grapple with, it's a little bit contentious, but you got the upper hand. Dude, recipe for disaster. Because you go for a takedown, they stuff one, you get one, they get back up. You know, you know what I mean? Like, you hold him down for two minutes, and Demir gets back up, and Demir's got a full three minutes to fucking pummel your fucking head in. So, 
Demir's got good enough grappling to get back up. He didn't against Armin. Demir's gonna outstrike him. He's got 12 knockouts. Fucking Grant's got 13 subs. Striker v Grappler. Demir's gonna box his head off and get rid of him. I really like Demir. I think he's an above average fighter. I really do. And he's making another run for the belt. He said that his career was over and that he was retiring after the Armin Sayukian fight. But I really like Demir. I think he's a very underrated fighter. So Demir wins this fight uh, via, via just a unanimous decision. Maybe he wins three rounds. Maybe he wins two rounds. I don't really know. I think Demir wins this shit. Let's go to the main event of July 2nd, which is Abus Magomedov, 25-4-1, versus number 7th ranked light middleweight in the world, almost said lightweight, middleweight in the world, 26-5, Sean Strickland, everyone's favorite crazy person. Sean's dumb for taking this fight, but... His back's kind of against the wall. However, do not sleep on this fighter because he's fucking underrated. Trust me, he's underrated. As much as you want to say that he's not as good as the upper echelon of the Robert Whittaker and Israel Adesanya, he's up there. Jared Cannonier just set a strike record in the middleweight division. We just saw that a couple of weeks ago against Marlon Vittori. And Sean Strickland went out there and beat fucking Jared Cannonier. And I don't want anyone in the fucking comment section saying otherwise, saying that Sean didn't win because he fucking definitely won or robbed. So with that being said, Sean's just been the guy that everyone's talking about as being like Dark Horse again. See, I told you, man. Jared was Dark Horse, lost to Adesanya. They go, he's never touching the belt. Destroys Marvin Vittori's Dark Horse. Sean Strickland beat Jared Cannonier. Fuck him. Um, <clears throat> Sean Strickland beat fucking Nasadin Imavov as well. Dude, he's taking on all the people that no one wants to fucking fight. And he's beating them or getting robbed, as I just said. So, where I see this fight getting won is it's a cardio problem, you see. Abus is a big dude. He's fucking... They said he's 6'2", bro. I don't believe he's 6'2". I know what a 6'2 bloke looks like. He looks like fucking Leon Edwards. He looks like Hamza Chimaev. Six, fucking three, six, four. Looks like Abus Magomedov. Re-get your fucking measuring tape out there. Because Abus is massive. I'm talking massive. So then, he's got 20 finishes. 14 knockouts, 6 submissions. His first opponent inside the UFC was a can. I'm talking about Sean Strickland here. He ain't a can. You look at who Sean actually lost to. He lost to uh, Alex Pereira, who won the middleweight strap. And he lost against Kamaru Usman, the six-time welterweight champ. Like, stop talking shit about my boy. And he got wheel-kicked by a guy that went on a seven-fight win streak in middleweight. You know, these things happen. He zigged, he zagged, fucking, you know. He got here with a wheel-kick. But yeah, as I was saying, the cardio of the two 
seeing that Abus is so big and such a finishers build and um, such an interesting finishers. Okay, we're back. So you're talking like, oh, John had a jacket on and he had a fucking sweater on. Grow up. Could grow up. Can grow up. Oh, I can't. I'm triggered. You know, like I just don't understand that he switched clothing. Can grow up. So, Sean Strickland's going to win this fight due to the fact that in his last five fights, four of them have gone to 25 minutes. Come on, man. Abus Magomedov can't make it out of the bucket third round. I don't even think he has a single third round in his whole professional career. Sean Strickland is going to decision Abus or take him into the later rounds and TKO him. Put him up against a wall, TJ Dillashaw style. Throw a fucking 25-punch combination because it's Sean Strickland. Quick little bop, 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 bop. Put him down. Get rid of him. Abus is not a cardio machine. He's too big to be a cardio machine. He's a fucking tank. Keep in mind, while I'm saying like, oh, Sean Strickland lost to Kamaru Usman and that guy Ezekiel or whatever his name is, and he lost to Jared, doesn't count. These are all losses way back, you know what I'm saying? Like, I thought a problem that him losing to Pereira I was like, dude, this guy's fucking done. Like, oh, bro, like, he's been knocked out. Like, he's not going to recover. He's not going to be, he's not going to get to the point where he was previously. However, fucking Abus has lost in 2018, man. Like, dude, he lost, he just, he just lost just, just a bit ago. In PFL, he got KO'd in PFL in the B Leagues. What's he going to come up to A League fucking fight number seven in the world and finish him? Are you joking? This is not Pereira. This is not an eight, nine-time glory champion. This is a guy that people are scared of because his name says Magomedov, right? He's not a wrestler. He's a striker. Sean's going to deal with him accordingly, take him into the later rounds and bludgeon his fucking head. So 25-minute 20, fights, Sean Strickland's the go to that. He'll put volume on anyone. He doesn't stop with volume. He'll never stop. He's done that to every single fighter, and he still has more in the tank. His cardio's ever-improving. He's a tough motherfucker, and yeah, he'll stop at nothing. So, Abus is fucked in this fight, I think, and I don't think Abus is bad. I think Sean Strickland is just, like, there. You know what I mean? Like, it goes Israel, Rob, maybe Sean Strickland. You know what I'm saying? Like, everyone wants to talk shit, saying, oh my god, Jared's better. That's been proven. I just told you, you got robbed. Parlo's better. No, Marvin's better. Dude, Sean, Sean trains with Marvin. And Marvin just got killed by Jared, and Sean destroyed Jared. I know it's MMA math, but bro, come on. What, what's Marvin going to do? Outbox Sean and wrestle him? I don't think so. Also, the wrestling advantage does not go to the Magomedov in this fight. It goes to Sean. Sean's, Sean's got, the, got the superior wrestling in this regard. Sean's got the better wrestling. He doesn't show it much, but he does, trust me. He, um, he did against Jared, and it looked pretty good. He wrestles him, and he um, tries to pin him up against the wall, hold him up against the wall, and clinch work. To be honest, I know people might think that's boring, but bro, he's got a style where he kicks the fuck out of people with boxing. So, to be honest, I think it's an interesting part of his game, and up against a taller fighter, it's going to work even better. Dude, Sean Strickland out here has got this win in the bag. The only way he doesn't have this win is if he lets his chin out out there and Abus finishes him inside the first round. Now, do I see that as a possibility? Of course. 
but but I believe Sean is so defensively sound that he'll be good to go. Keep in mind, the only reason that Pereira even got that knockout on him is because he totally did like a million feints for it, set it up, and then executed it inside like inside like a round. Come on, man, that's that's a champion. He just fucking won the belt. Come on, come on. Don't 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 think that Sean is bad just because he lost to two champions. Come on. Also, seeing that Sean wins this fight, it will be. I believe they're going to give Sean the title title shot sooner rather than later. So I just want to want to talk about that fight, Sean versus Adesanya. Yep. So, Adesanya versus Sean Strickland. I think that fight's very interesting. I think. I think. Israel would chew up Sean's leg, but but Sean could probably box with him. To be honest, I think Adesanya wins that fight. I think it's a pretty easy title defense for him. I don't think they'll put Sean in the title challenger scenario or position due to the fact that he is bad publicity. And the UFC does not want him there. He says too many controversial things and he's a bad for the he's bad for the brand. And an example of this happening inside MMA was when they treated Tony Ferguson's career. They they didn't allow him to get the title shot. They didn't want him there in the title picture, so they held him back. And he got 12 fight, 12 victories, and they still never gave him a title shot. And this is not because Tony's fault. Tony earned that title shot um, maybe at the seventh or fucking eighth fight he had. But he kept going due to the fact that the UFC wouldn't give it to him and he wanted to make it that clear that he was the number one contender wherein he got the interim championship, which was never led to a unification bout because it's Tony and and also the fact that he he fought for the interim with Gaethje and then lost, right? So they put him in two interim championship spots so like they could stall his his championship reign, right? Because he would have gotten maybe two or three belts. You know, what I mean, he had like a three championship career. He could have gotten, but instead they stalled him, and that's what they'll do to Sean. They don't want him near the belt because because he's not the controversial like Colby, like oh I like Trump and everyone fucking loves him. It's more like you know talking about you know what and uh, saying particular. Uh, things that do not fly with the UFC's agenda. So because of that, and plus he's not a pushover, he's not a guy that you can get to do things for you, similar to Nate Diaz, right? So Sean's got a problem in that regard, that because he's too himself, the UFC won't push that, plus Adesanya outskills him, unfortunately. Next fight. On the same card is... The featured fight, which is at welterweight, and it's Michael Morales versus Max Griffin. This is really interesting. I've been talking about a lot of prospects. This is what the whole sport's about, really. Michael Morales from Ecuador is fourteen and zero at welterweight. He's a tall son of a bitch, too. So yeah, Michael is fourteen and zero, and he's twenty-three years of age with eleven knockouts. Now, 
I actually spoke to Adam Fugit about this, a man that Michael Morales actually... Um, Michael Morales beat Fugit in the third round, one minute into the fight. Adam Fugit said that Yusaka Kinoshita and Michael Morales in the welterweight division have gone here like too early and that they're, they're the future of the division. You know what I mean? He didn't particularly say that they were here too early. I'm just inferring the fact that seeing that he's 23, Michael Morales could have had the exact same career at 29 or 30, you know? So him at 23, same age as my fucking brother. My brother's actually older than this guy. Um, very impressive to be in the UFC as well as a 14 and zero career. So can't wait to watch his fight. Dude, I don't know anything about this fight on a real note. Let's be real. Max Griffin, I watched a couple of his fights. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna level with you. I think that um Michael Morales KOs uh, Max Payne Griffin inside two rounds. Michael's still untested with the wrestling. I want to see him go up against Ian Machado. This is our future Gary because I wouldn't mind seeing that striking clinic. Yeah, Michael Morales, I want to see him um, do better in his career. But, bro, he needs to he needs to put his wrestling to the test. I know that people say shit like, oh, you need to, you know, if you're really good at striking, just be really good at striking and take down defense, and then you can fucking win. How about, how about this, ready? If you really want the belt, why don't you do exactly what GSP did? Okay, my striking's good. Why don't I just drill wrestling? And just try and incorporate wrestling into my fights. So then he's doing that. In the striking, he's already good. You can strike with him, right? And it's contentious. You might beat him. You might not. He's still got the skills to beat you in that department. But now the problem is that you can't out-wrestle him. So I think these fighters that have ridiculous striking, like Adesanya, like Morales, like Machado Gary, like Jamal Hill, dude... Fucking wrestle, fucking wrestle, fucking clinch. Because when you get taken down, what what do you do now? You got all this takedown defense, and then you get taken down, what? What happens now? Do you just get pummeled, like, on the ground? Like the fact that uh, Blahovic held held fucking uh, Israel on the, on the ground for forever? Like the fact that Glover got Jamal to the ground, but Jamal did a little slippery, plus he was fucking tired. You know what I mean? So, not a good look. Um, uh, you need you need to be more well rounded, and I know that's that's hard to say from me. But someone like who I've been talking about this whole podcast is Tapuria. How well rounded is that guy? How does he look? You know what I'm saying? For luck. Before I move on about Morales, I want to bring up the fact that he's six, um, three, and. All these fighters, they peak at the wrong time or they're, they're, they're ready to peak earlier or they grow. You know what I mean? Michael Morales is 23. You finish growing when you're 25. Fucking Erling Haaland has somehow grown taller and he's fucking, you know what I mean? Like, bro, you know what I mean? You can still grow. So an example of this was Leon Edwards. You go into the fucking game, the UFC game. Bro, the, they say he's six foot. This is UFC 3 back in the day. He, they said that he was six foot. I was like, bro, I don't know. I know Leon's 6'2". Come on. Come on. And he's a tall 6'2 as well. He's 
big motherfucker. And made, made Usman look kind of short, right? So if that's the case and Leon's taller than him, then when when Leon gets bigger, he fills out that 6'2 frame now. I'm saying that when you get to 25, 30, then you stop fucking growing. I'm saying that if Morales is 6'3 now and he looks dense, bro, what happens if he grows to like 6'4 and he's like, dude, do I stay at welterweight? I'm not going to be able to make the weight. Why don't I just go to middleweight? That's a problem when you start your career too early. Raul Rosas Jr. is probably going to finish his career at like featherweight or lightweight. Like, come on, man. He's he's like 18, dude. Like, he's still got seven years to grow and fill out the frame. He's going to get big, dude. Can't be fighting at these lower weight classes. So, he can't be fighting when you're younger. That's the problem. So, Tapuria, he's, um, he's small. But, dude, he makes lightweight, right? And he looked decently sized at lightweight. Like, bro, he's 26 or whatever the fuck he is. So, give him like four or five years. Bro, he might permanent move to lightweight. You get what I'm saying? Exactly. What's the point? What point are you making? The point is that these fighters get into the UFC too young in the wrong division because they haven't grown enough. They haven't filled out their frame enough. How do you combat that? Dude, Islam and Khabib look tiny in their first fights, and then they're saying that they're weight bullies now. You know what I mean? You need time to fill out that frame. So you need to do exactly what Islam and Khabib did, which is you fight infrequently. I know that's the saddest thing to hear, but you fight infrequently. And if you can do that, then you mitigate the fact that people have size on you, the fact that uh, you haven't filled out your frame, and each fight you look even bigger and better. So it's difficult to beat you. And look, Islam and Khabib practically undefeated. Let's not talk about the fact that Islam got KO'd. The next fight I want to talk about is Jalen Turner versus Dan Hooker. Now, I love this fight. Phenomenal fight, and it's on UFC 290. The tarantula Jalen Turner is 28, whilst Dan Hooker is 33. Now, Jalen's got the, the career advantage, longevity, longevity, whatever the fuck you want to call it, on, on his side, due to the fact that Dan Hooker's just taken so much fucking damage, like, after that Dustin Poirier fight, Dan Hooker's not really looked the same, now, you go, okay, well, what does Dan have on him, okay, he's got experience, that's one, two, <coughs> he's not taller than Jalen, he's not bigger than Jalen, he's not, he doesn't have more reach than him, and his skills are not there. So Jalen's got him on height, 6'3", fucking Dan's like 6 foot. He's got him on age, so he's younger, in the correct vicinity, not so young, but at the point where it's comfortable. Jalen's at the prime of his career. He's bigger, cuts more weight, and he's got a higher reach, and he's more skillful. Wherever this fight goes, unfortunately, Jalen Turner destroys Dan Hooker. So, Jalen's got the grappling advantage, he's got four subs. To be honest, I think Jalen's fucking sub game is better than his striking game, and his striking game's insane. So, that's my opinion. I've seen his submissions, his jiu-jitsu's feral, like his jiu-jitsu's crazy. For his size, 6'3", and, and the division he's in, 
he's like the tallest lightweight there, but usually the tall guys are not big and bulky and strong. And also, not to mention, Jalen has nine knockouts and is a 100% finish rate over his opponents where he's won the fight, which is ridiculously impressive. So another fighter with 100% finish rate. Now, on the other hand, Dan Hooker, who looked um, sub-mediocre against um, Claudia Puelles, did come on, man. Like, if that was any other fighter, they would have had Claudio out of there in in fucking a second. Claudio made it to the second round, which is atrocious with Dan, and four minutes into the second round. Come on, get off, get off. They fed Claudio to give um, Dan a win, or they gave they gave fucking Dan to Claudio to bump him up, but both were stupid. I, d- I don't give a shit. Uh, Jalen Turner is crazy. So, yeah, so the reason I'm talking so highly of Jalen is that he was on a five-fight win streak, and then he ended up losing to Matuj Gamera, even though... This was a really weird fight. Going into this fight, Jalen had five in a row in the UFC. Gamro landed 89 strikes, and Jalen landed 62. So Gamro Gamro got the more strikes. However, Gamro got 29 significant strikes, and Jalen got 40, meaning that he got 11 high in that regard. He got more takedowns, more control time, but who gives a shit because it's damage triumphs all. And Jalen outdamaged him and knocked him down once, but I believe there was like another one, sneaky one, half one in there as well. So, bro, Jalen like won the spot, in my opinion. So, on a real note, if they run that shit back, Jalen wins it. Jalen's an above average fighter. Matuj was in there with Benil, who I think is good. Jalen goes in there with Gamrot and knocks him down. Come on, man. You're allowing Benil. You're saying Benil's amazing. Look at him. He knocked down Gamrot. Look how good Benil is. Second, Jalen does it like twice. You don't even talk about it. Jalen Turner is a beast. Matuj Gamrot is actually not that good. Trust me. He's He's got a skill set that's ra- and like rounded, but he's not so above average that you can't not deal with him. Someone like Islam dances on him. Armin Sayukin showed that you can beat him, even though they didn't give it to him. They robbed him there. So they fucking robbed Armin and they robbed Jalen and both went to Matush. Come on, I've said enough. So Jalen gets in there with with Dan Hooker, probably hits him with a punch, body kick, and then he'll probably like catch him in a guillotine or something, something cheeky like that, and it will be ridiculous. It'll snap him up like a tarantula. That's probably one of the best nicknames in in the UFC. I brought I brought up last podcast the dream and nightmare sequence by fucking um diego sanchez going from the dream to that nightmare being one of the funniest things ever but i do have to say jalen turner being being uh the tarantula is one of the best things i've ever seen this card is actually decent i'm just looking at it right now you got you got jimmy crute versus alonzo manifield hold on is that a rematch on a real note, I think that might be a rematch, bro. It is. It was a draw. Yeah, see, I remember these fucking things. Yeah, so this was a rematch in Feb. This would have been the the Makachev Volkanovsky card. Yeah, so that's that's a really good fight. <coughs> that's a really good fight. I enjoyed that the last time. Yeah, this is gonna be another banger. Absolute banger. 
Oh, Jack and Dylan by the lane. Oh, there's a Sean Brady. Bro, let's go, Jack. I'll put it right out there. If Sean Brady gets you in his half guard positioning, where he's got those steps and each step, fucking Jack Slack brought it brought it up, or some other content creator talked about the fact that Sean Brady's got these steps that if you go right, he's got this, if you go left, and it's all like mind muscle connection and fucking um, repetition. So he's like a beast at it. Jack Dillamadalena is one of the best strikers of fucking seen. This dude is like what MMA is. It's like, oh, you got a big dude there. Look at this small guy beat the shit out of him. That's MMA. That's JDM. JDM fought fucking Randy Brown. And my friend was sitting next to me, Connor Gumaz. Let's shout out Connor. Connor was fucking there. And he was like, bro, like, dude, Randy Brown's going to ruin this guy. Like, Randy's good. I'm like, bro, JDM's even better. He goes, nah, man. Nah, I've seen it time and time again. JDM's not better. You can't, there's not levels like that in MMA. Bro, JDM eased Randy Brown up, knocked him down, submitted him, chunked him out. Come on. Come off it. Come off it. So, yeah, JDM's on a ridiculous finish streak inside the UFC. Really impressive. I think I think JDM wins this fight. Oh, dude, come on. Robbie Lawler versus Nico Price. That's a huge fight. That's a huge fight. I like that. What's on the main card? You got Bo Nickel, Trayshawn Gore. That's good. We just spoke about Jalen and Dan, Robert Whittaker, and my favorite fighter of all time, Drickus Duplessis, Brandon Moreno versus Pantoja 3, and Volk versus Rodriguez, which we've already brought, brought up and bro- broken down. This is a fucking phenomenal card. Um, I really appreciate this card. Yeah, we'll break it down more closer to the fight. Yeah, really impressive card. Uh, this is sick. Thank you very much for watching, guys. Thanks for tuning in to the Anything Combat podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll catch you later.